In the weight room, what, we, what I try to do is match up the energy systems. If I have a guy working on strength endurance on the field or on the track, um, I want to match that up with their efforts in the weight room. So we, we match up the energy systems. Uh, same thing with maximal, with maximal strength. Uh, if we're working on, um, if we're working on pushing, you know, pulling, pulling sleds, we're usually picking up heavier weights in the weight room. If we're, we're tapering down a little bit and we're working on best performances, race pace, top performances, we're trying to be very explosive on the track and really test our times, we're doing something similar in the weight room. That was sport performance coach and consultant Walt Klein talking about matching complementary themes in the weight room and with speed training. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, Gym Aware, KBox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments allowing me to look at the 10-meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none, Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 90. That's 9-0. 10 away from 100 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. It's been a pleasure doing this so far. Uh, sometimes it's amazing to think of how far this show's come. And really excited. Today's episode is definitely no exception, I believe, to the string of brilliant minds in the industry. And it's just been such an honor and opportunity uh, to be able to sit down and chat with them and, and how they've come up with their craft and how they're implementing that on the day-to-day basis with their athletes. So today's episode, we have sport performance coach, consultant, a man of many hats and abilities, Walt Klein. Uh, he is the founder of the AMPS or AMPS training systems. Uh, he has served as an assistant athletics coach, private coach, consultant to teams, programs in multiple levels within the USA. Uh, his athletic projects include thousands of prospective scholastic athletes, collegiate athletes, and professionals. So Walt's training system, I was first exposed to it uh, six years ago when I entered the world of collegiate full-time strength and conditioning uh, after being a full-time track coach for uh, four years. And I, I had a track coach show me a sheet with one of Walt's workouts on it. And I was just really uh, intrigued by it because here I saw this uh, workout that was matching complementary phases, each type of workout potentiating the next, speed endurance, maximal strength, ballistic. There was a lot of cluster work in there that I'd never seen before. 
Um, not really until I had started digging into Christian Thibodeau's work in the last few months or year or so. And it was just really intriguing to me. And I, I didn't know much about it. Uh, you probably saw the title of this episode and you're like, hmm, who's Walt Klein? Like, and uh, Walt, Walt's a good sport about it, no doubt. I mean, I think it's very common on podcasts to get guests that have thousands, if not tens of thousands of followers in the social media network or are very well known. And uh, one of the things I've always enjoyed is just finding those people, I would almost call them, at least in terms of the social media world and, and the internet, diamonds in the rough, people who are just crushing it in their field, have this huge knowledge, but not a lot of people know uh, what who they are or what they're doing. So anyways, after uh, seeing Walt's workout, I shared a few emails with him. Uh, full circle six years later, I was like, you know what? I should sit down and talk to him, get him on the podcast. And so I'm excited to have him. I've always been a huge organization, training structure guy, how to lay out the workouts. Anyways, uh, Walt's uh, programming, how he arranges out, reminds me of two constructs that are both extremely effective in their own right and have been for many athletes, which is um, the cube system and then Dan Path's three-day rollover. And so each, each of those have distinct training elements of strength, strength endurance or speed endurance, um, and then maximal velocity. And I think what commonly happens when people sit down and they write programs is they think, okay, this month we're going to do all strength, and then this month is going to be all power or something like that. And especially when we train speed power athletes, the concept of speed endurance or strength endurance does get tossed to the wayside. But if you've been around the training world for a while, you've been into or dug into some of the InnoSport work, you realize how important that work in the what you call the AN2 bracket, that 20 to 45 second range, is to supporting the system and how Walt is integrating that not only in distinct maybe weeks if you will but also into revolving undulating themes throughout the year is just really a cool thing it it changes the way that I think about what a good program should be not just a base program but also an in-season program how do we maintain qualities how do you uh, and that's the title that's like how do you break barriers how do you keep athletes from getting in a rut uh, a performance rut performance plateau how do you cycle things appropriately and do it simply in a way that the athlete can understand and the way that you as a coach can look at without losing your mind? I think those of you who have really gotten in that programming rabbit hole, sometimes it can almost get a little overwhelming or consuming sometime. But I really love how Walt's keeping it in perspective with a, with a color system that makes things really easy to remember. So uh, today we're going to go uh, through his workout uh, programs, ideas, how he creates and arranges workouts, how he utilizes potentiation, which is a huge aspect of his programming, how he does blocks of training in the off-season, in-season, and why. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about his work on cluster training, and this is just an amazing podcast. If you are into programming, making the optimal program for yourself, for your athletes, uh, you're going to love this episode. So excited to bring it to you. Episode 90 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast with Walt Klein. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Joel, thanks for having me. Yeah, I am really excited to sit down and record this episode. I, Based on the conversations we've had prior to, I, I think the way you're doing things is is really something special, effective. And uh, first, let's just start it off with what is, what's your background? What was your background as an athlete? Uh, and then how did you get into the coaching industry? Um, high, school, high school athlete, I was... Uh... Uh, started off as uh, football, wrestling, and uh, and baseball, and switched to track and field my um, my sophomore year. Uh, kind of tried to keep that going in college and competed in track and football. 
uh, at Canisius College in Buffalo, New York. As soon as I graduated, um, I went down to New Orleans, took a drive across the country with this guy named Brian Fetzer, and we uh, we thought we could coach college football. So we uh, we landed in New Orleans at a coaches convention, and um, and about a, in about two days' time, uh, we had to pack up, go back to his mom's house in Cincinnati. Uh, and put all of his stuff together. I had to drive back to Buffalo, pack all my stuff up, and he was headed to Ranger Junior College to coach football and track, and I was headed to Kansas at Fort Hay State to coach football and track, um, and that was the start. Uh, out in Kansas, I was a, um, uh, a football and track GA and then also a teaching assistant with the Health and Human Performance Department, so I taught classes and then coached uh, – linebackers, special teams, and then work with the power events in track and field. Um, also, uh, while I was there, started um, started having more and more responsibilities with strength and conditioning. Uh, and so there was a lot of crossover with, um, with coaching and also developing because I had to wear the same hat. There was a couple guys that were both uh, position coaches and strength and conditioning coaches. I guess they were trying to save a um, – I guess it's just that's just how it happens a lot. I think at Division two schools, they, they just might not be able to afford a full time strength coach. Um, but I actually liked it. I liked I liked the model because we we were able to do a lot development wise with our guys. And I think that model has uh, has stayed with me for years. Um, uh, quick story: I didn't even know I was going to be coaching track and field when I went out there. Um, I drove all night long, um, about nineteen hour drive. And then when I got there, 7 o'clock in the morning, they told me, said, go down the hall and meet Jim Crubb, the head track coach. And I said, okay. Um, and he said, uh, have you, do you know anything Do you know anything about track and field? I said, yeah, I, I competed in college. I threw discus and was an alternate in sprints every once in a while if they needed. Kind of ate myself out of being able to do that. And uh, I said, all right, go meet Jim Crubb. And so they, they tell me that Jim Crubb was a, was a college baseball coach. And I said, how do you end up being um, head track coach at a university at Fort Hayes State when you played college baseball at Kansas State? And he said, well, last I checked, uh, both sports, they gotta, they got to run real fast, turn left, and throw things. I'm like, um, yes, they do. Nice to meet you. And completely confused, you know, went and got some sleep, came back, and then – Went to work for a guy for a year that was so technical, but yet communicated so well with the athletes, um, probably kind of set up my style for the rest of my career. Um, he was just a very good communicator. And, you know, the, the coaches I was lucky enough to be around that I coached high school football with in Western New York were similar. Uh, and so uh, I kind of hung around track and football for a while developing my developing my craft with camps in the summertime um, with athletes from all walks um, first pro athlete was baby Joe Macy a pro boxer in Buffalo New York that I worked with with my my college strength coach um, and then just started to get my my uh, my hands dirty from there um, just kind of kept on kept on evolving uh, was always interested in diving a little, little deeper into the science of uh, of athletes what makes them tick and um, What'll help? Uh, another big project in Buffalo was uh, Westside Rowing Club, which was uh, a very serious developmental uh, 
uh, rowing team that does very, very well nationally. Um, and, you know, kids that want to come out and train and want to get better. Uh, I tried to create a system to service that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's great to hear kind of how you came up. It's interesting. I always think how track and field tends to work its way into things. <laughs> Just a, a sport where there is such purity of movement and, and a lot of transfer to pretty much everything else in a way. I completely agree. Completely uh, agree. And that's difficult to sell sometimes. It's difficult to communicate that to people or they don't want to hear it. But it's true. I mean... I say that to the, the to the elite high school baseball team I work with all the time. Listen, you know, after you guys come out of the box or after you make your initial break, you're just like a sprinter. You're just like a receiver. You're just like a, uh, a, a winger, you know, in these multiple sports. You all have to run from point A to point B. And the people that can do that better get there faster. And I've had coaches push back on that and say, yeah, but how many times in a, in a sporting event – you know, does 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 top speed really you know really affect the game? I mean, they do acceleration most of the time. Well, maybe the one play that was the difference in the entire game, and they usually be quiet after that. <laughs> yeah, those game breakers are definitely always, that that track speed really comes in, and it's it's that's what makes the highlight reel too. It's uh, it's always a beautiful thing, I think, uh, and just hearing how that all plays together. I'd like to get into a little bit about just your the way you uh, schedule your training. So outside of even just the modular, the, the technical aspects, but kind of cycling as you move through like the week to week and month to month. And I know you have uh, within the AMP system uh, different colors that represent different training programs. So maximal strength, ballistic strength, uh, recovery and regeneration, speed endurance. Can you tell me about how those different colors, how do they fit together? How do they potentiate each other? I know potentiation is a big uh, part of what you do, and you've mentioned it. Could you talk a little bit about the color system, the types of workouts you do, and how they fit together? So um, for the movement modules and for the strength modules, um, I may do the same thing three weeks in a row, what, what, what could be perceived as being the, sa the same thing three weeks in a row. Um, but it may have a very, very different intensity each time. And that's really the difference in the, in the zones. Um, so this color coding um, was the end result of a military project that I had 10 years ago with the, with the U.S. Marine Corps and Navy research. And I needed a way to communicate the intensity of things to people that did not have multiple degrees in sports sciences and understand um, the differences. So, and I needed them to be able to keep an order so they knew what was next. Uh, my thought is that a lot of times when you're trying to get athletes to work on endurance, to do a lot of reps, um, they'll survive the workout on you. You won't really get everything out of them because they don't really have their, their, their mind on the big picture. Tried to make four zones that were going to be very easy to maneuver through, red, white, blue, and gold. And the way I described it was we always want red, white, and, and blue to win gold. And, you know, start, start getting my guys to slowly understand this. All right, so guys, so what, what, what zone do you think we're going to work on first? And they're like, uh, uh, red? 
Right, which means what comes next? Um, uh, white? Right, which brings us eventually to blue. Right. And then occasionally, you know, like one guy in the back, gold. I'm like, right, exactly right. Now we're going to take that, we're going to take that and <clears throat> we're going to use red. Red is going to be our base model, our muscular endurance, our power endurance, our strength endurance, uh, our stabilization, our, uh, our, e our eccentric loads, our high volume, our, our hypertrophy, um, because uh, low speed strength is a foundation for, for higher speed strength. Um, so this is the, my tongue's dragging. I'm doing a ton of reps. Um, I'm not getting a lot of rest. Uh, and the load is actually much, much lower. This is the one that they dread. They know they're going to get their butts kicked. When they see the red card, they know a butt kicking's coming. Okay. White zone is so, – so let, let me back up. Red zone is strength, strength endurance, and work capacity. Uh, white zone is submaximal and maximal strength. So now this is shifting gears to a completely different energy system – um, once we have that base and also in a learning model, after they've had a chance to do a lot of reps and get better at doing something, which is, I think something that, that, that the coaches forget when you're working with high school athletes is that they, they're not good at these exercises yet. They need, they need practice and you don't want them practicing the exercises with heavy loads. They're going to get hurt that way. So, you know, to use body weight and bands and do 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 high repetition efforts and do eccentric hold hold and uh, uh, and isometric holds. All this stuff helps because it helps them understand how to do it and build the stability of doing the exercise correctly. Once we start getting some of that, now we're ready to pick up some heavier weight. But functionally, those things have to be built and they have to be practiced. It's a skill. I don't know if everyone thinks about strength training as a skill. There's a high school baseball team that I work with in D.C. here that, you know, proves in the playoffs every single year that they they have a they have a higher athlete IQ and, and a higher skill set for their training than everybody else in their league because they're really tough to uh, to hang with in the playoffs. They're working on their fifth state championship in a row. And when we watch when we watch how some of the other teams prepare for games, um, you know, some guys are licking their chops. Because on a cold day, if they don't have this stuff worked out, and you compete against somebody that does, I, usually you can predict how it's going to work out. So red zone, again, uh, strength endurance, work capacity, white zone, submaximal and maximal strength. Uh, in the movement category, um, more resistance-based. Uh, so let's take a, a, a 300, for example. Uh, I'll give you two examples. I'll, I'll use um, uh, three sets of 10 and a 300. A lot of people like three sets of 10. But what I say to people with three sets of 10 is, I, I have no idea what you mean when you say three sets of 10. Um, they're like, well, everybody does three sets of 10. Well, all right, but three sets of 10, how? Three sets of 10 with 65 to 70% of your max, that means completely exhausted at, 75% would be completely exhausted at 10 reps, would be a maximal effort. So a little bit under, uh, you're tired to 10. That's a red zone approach. Uh, a white zone approach, um, I'll, take those, I'll take those 10 reps and cut them down to five, 
I now have them put 85% of their max on there and give them a whole lot more rest than I did in the red zone. Uh, in the blue zone, I can use three sets of 10 again, but now I want them to do 10 singles, and I want them to go as fast as possible and take a whole lot of rest in between. So red zone being uh, strength endurance. On the track, a 300 example would be um, run, a th run down 30 and back um, 10 times and try to get it under a minute or something comparable. A white zone approach at a 300 would be uh, down and back with 20 second rest uh, five times or, um, or run 10, 10 hills. Our hills at, the, at, at a couple of schools that I work with are about 30 yards long uh, or run with sleds or run with, uh, with partner resistance. The blue zone model would be run a 30 as fast as you possibly can with a walk back. Get your rating, your, your RPE down under, under five or six, basically wait until your fatigue's down until you're ready, and then run another one as fast as you can and get to a 300 volume in the speed zone. So um, in the weight room, what, we, what I try to do is match up the energy systems. If I have a guy working on strength endurance on the field or on the track, um, I want to match that up with their efforts in the weight room. So we, we match up the energy systems. Uh, same thing with maximal, with maximal strength. Uh, if we're working on, um, if we're working on pushing, you know, pulling, pulling sleds, we're usually picking up heavier weights in the weight room. If, we're, we're tapering down a little bit and we're working on best performances, race pace, top performances. We're trying to be very explosive on the track and really test our times. We're doing something similar in the weight room. We're, we're, we're training to the energy system. Um, this is where sometimes the modules will bleed over a little bit. I very much like potentiation modules like contrast sets and, 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 and complexes. Um, sometimes if you can do it, if the schedule allows, this is where I think some of the lines become a little fuzzy and things bleed over each other. So, you know, if my, if, if my weight room work is going to be blue zone, which is speed strength, power, or dynamic, um, this is, this is where rate of force development is the most important. Um, uh, some people call it, uh, a speed strength, um, more ballistic movements. Uh, and, and I'll also use some isometric uh, movements in there too for potentiation. Uh, but th this, this zone's all about going real fast. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. Could you uh, give a quick example of how you might use the ISOs for potentiation within that zone? Right. So... If um, and that, this, this is what I meant about the about about the the lines bleeding over a little bit. A um, um, couple of ways that I like to potentiate is, you know, take an athlete and have them move a heavy load. Maybe maybe a quarter squat, maybe a, a, a mid thigh pull, and then <clears throat> take that effect within you know within three to five minutes. Line up and then blast out 
uh, and execute your start steps or uh, your initial push steps in your sport and take the basically take the enhanced electrical effect in your nervous system and and execute it some kids are like wow my my uh, uh, my push steps feel amazing today well sure that's 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 not by accident we're you know we're, we're trying to get you to understand and feel what it feels like to be completely awake to be to have full control and be able to execute that kind of power um, so isometric, uh, if I'm trying to get away from heavier loads, if I'm trying to uh, not create as much damage, or it's a, um, an in-season an in -season, um, uh, approach, <clears throat> or if a weight room isn't available. Uh, sometimes the track, there's not a weight room right there. Um, something simple like uh, uh, a mid-thigh pull for five to 10 seconds, uh, a maximal approach at a mid-thigh pull, immovable object type thing. Uh, bar's not going anywhere. They're pushing with their feet into the ground hard, maintaining a posture, and they're <clears throat> they're recruiting an incredible amount of motor units to execute that maximal approach. Now, I mean, when we look at, uh, at Garhammer's research on uh, on force application, and we look at the, the the bench press, I think equated out to something like uh, three to Three to four hundred watts. The squat ended up around uh, uh, eight, eight, eight hundred to nine hundred watts. But the second pole in the Olympic clean was was forty five hundred to five thousand watts because it, you're recruiting so much muscle mass to be able to apply force that way. Well, okay, if you have the skill, I want to use it. I want to use it to jazz up the nervous system so I can get a little bit more out of it and also get the kid to understand that they have that in them. So a mid thigh a mid thigh pole with you know, an isometric effort can be very valuable if I don't have much equipment at the track, I wanna execute something to jazz their nervous system up, get a better effect for learning, for, for training, or for whatever, whatever I'm using it for, um, and then uh, and use it that way in a, in a contrast model. Um, that's, that's one way I practically use it. So I, I jumped around a little bit this, but but the, the basics the, the basis of this is uh, again like I said red white and blue, um, red zone being strength strength endurance work capacity, um, both on the track and in the weight room. Uh, white zone being submaximal and maximal on the track. It's going to be more resistance base, um, and the weight room it's going to be much much heavier loads, a lot more rest. Blue zone is rate of force development much faster. Sometimes that's uh, in combination with, with, with a little bit heavier loads. Sometimes it's backing off a lot. It kind of depends on the time of year. Uh, occasionally I will use gold zone. That's the, that's the peaking, unloading, and taper uh, model. Um, it's really very much like blue in my system, just um, a lot more rest and a lot, uh, a lot less volume is probably the biggest difference. Yeah. It just, it just, it just kind of let, it kind of lets guys know that we're, we're purposely we're purposely dialing stuff down, um, and it's to keep your uh, your really hardworking athletes uh, to specific numbers so they don't continue to overtrain. You've probably encountered this too. I've had a lot of athletes that they work so hard in the off season. They that's what they know. They know how to they know how to train hard, and when they start coming up to a tapering time, they they feel weird. They 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 feel like they're not getting what they need if they don't go and work out hard so they so they, they want to do more or they want to do more on their own 
Um, this is to kind of hold them to that structure of this is what I want you to do, and that's it. Then I want you to back off a little bit and let your body heal. Don't tear it down anymore because we're get, we're, we're saving you for uh, a performance. Yeah, that... I actually use that that peaking effect with that high school baseball team that I mentioned. So if so, so if if I could go back and look at their calendar and look at maybe a couple months, a real quick overview, looking at their calendar, looking at their workouts. You could describe it this way. It would go red, red, white, blue, red, white, white, blue, red, white, blue, blue, red, white, blue, gold, playoffs. Hopefully a championship. Cool. I, I think That's there's a lot. There's a lot that you just said in that last three, four seconds. I think uh, you get your pen out and unpack it real quick. Uh, how do you uh, reason for running two similar days in a row? Are you going like an upper lower split with those red reds two days in a row or something like that? Um, could be two things. Could be could be upper lower split. Uh, could be um, that I'm I'm just I'm just going to keep them in that zone for the whole week. Uh, I'll do it different ways. Um, I you know I sometimes sometimes with uh, with with baseball teams I like the red white blue model week to week. If they have weekend tournaments, I think it works out very, very well for them. Um, but if they don't have weekend tournaments and they're not playing as much baseball, um, I'll, I'll maybe uh, stretch out those zones a few more weeks if I really want to work on something. And so we may go a full week or two weeks of any of those zones uh, to really get some work done on it. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes when they're in season. Um uh, but I look at it this way. I think every athlete that's moving uh, has five motor abilities, like a like a star: work capacity, strength, power, mobility, flexibility, and uh, balance, tactical, and their skill set. And there's really no points of that star that you can take away. And so the the, the challenge is, in about a month's time, or in a cycle, within a cycle. I want to be working on all their motor abilities. I may have a main focus for one, uh, but I don't want to let the other ones go completely. So I got to work them in somewhere. So that's that's where you'll you'll see uh, me jump around with uh, with the colors. Something may be the main focus, um, and you know, as, as you know, I'm going to try to control load um, either by changing how many times they're executing workouts weekly. Um, you know how many bouts that they have, uh, and there's different ways to different ways to do that. Um, you know, I total body days are really difficult to do. They take a lot of time, um, and they're difficult to get through. But for some for some sports, again, like like baseball or lacrosse or a lot of high school sports, that might be all that you get. Um, so if they only can, only can work out. Uh, once a week and it's a total body workout that might be just all some coaches can do is total is so a high school model might be um, you know that Wednesday weekly workout of red the next week white the next week blue and then back to red again and just keeps going round and round and you're you're trying to touch on everything at least at least once a month um, I think that's better than most I think that's better than what most high schools are, are, are doing in some cases, unless they have a committed strength and conditioning program. Um, you know, it's, 
it's pre, it's pre, I tried to make it practical for application. Now, a more advanced model um, is to is to maybe take a three day approach and hit upper, lower, and total um, within one colored zone or rotating zones, uh, or a four day approach: upper, lower, off, upper, lower. Um, or in my vernacular, I use a one, two, three. Also, um, all all this all this the scheduled days in mind system are uh, upper lower total one two three general strength maintenance um, and I have rules rules for all of that but all of those also have a color applied to them so the guys know uh, which method to apply what's the intensity they're going to apply to that schedule and I try to make it so it's rotating so that they hit everything um, if I have a little more control and I can have a I can I can pre-plan out a schedule. I'll look at the training calendar, I'll look at the competition calendar and then try to fit this in so that it plugs in and then the peaks and valleys work out around competition and doesn't don't disrupt them. Um, so that's a little again a, a lot more advanced model. I, I I saw something similar being done at East Tennessee State uh, Mike and Meg Stone who I think do a great job down there. Um, that's that's going to be similar to what they do with the, with their sports excellence programs and with their and with their PhD in sports science program. That's really what it's about. It's about it's about getting stuff right, getting getting the energy systems worked in correctly, and then matching it up with the with the calendar so that you get maximum results. That's what that's what I think is happening at the highest level when you have a, a committed sports science coach uh, overseeing your team like the. Like the Champions League in soccer, like the Blue Jays in baseball, um, uh, I think we're starting to see more and more of those. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah. Uh, question two. Okay, so that's that's awesome stuff. I like. It reminds you a little bit of like the three day rollover you see in track and field. I know Dan Paff has talked about in terms of you have your acceleration day, max velocity day, speed endurance day. And you roll through those, uh, and this is almost like the strength and conditioning adaptation, being with the red, the strength endurance, the the white, the maximal strength, the blue, the speed. Uh, and you you talked a little bit about how you might do um, everything in and or how you would go through like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, rolling it over day to day, or doing everything in one week. Is there any situation? And I've seen or heard track coaches doing this, and I suppose it would apply to strength coaches too. But where you would maybe go week one is all red or strength endurance three sets of 10 if you will week two is all white uh max strength three sets of five week three is all blue uh clusters explosive singles that that type of paradigm and then maybe you have some gold in there week four i don't know do you do anything like that where it's like week block 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 through the weeks meaning so meaning all all one week or yeah we're like week one would be entirely red week two would be entirely white week three would be entirely blue and then okay yeah yeah that's i i use that if i can get two workouts in a week with a with a team uh i'll i'll do it um i've i've used both models when i see evidence that one is working with my group better than the other then I'll shift to it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have what I think is going to work the best, but if I see evidence that it's not, it, it's not giving us the results, I might change it up a little bit. Um, 
I've, I've done that, that model exactly the way you've described it, in a week-to-week, in a two-week, 10-day. Um, uh, I think they all work at different times. Um, uh, for, for a high school uh, base model, I think sometimes it just makes it easier. And I think that's where I really came up with the, the colored zones, just to make it easier for people to think about what they're supposed to do. Um, so one whole week of red, one whole week of white, one whole week of blue. Um, I, I've, I use it. Um, it's, a, it's a little longer explanation to explain where, um, but absolutely. Uh, I'll, use, I'll use it that way. I'll also use... Uh, uh, in some cases, two weeks of white, two weeks of red, or two weeks of red, two weeks of white, two weeks of blue. Um, uh, the model that I like really the most is in season, um, you describe the, the rolling model, uh, red, white, blue, uh, each, each week. Is that what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah, like just what you said, I, I think as far as I know, it does seem like paradigms, at least in track and field, are often like, more blocked training and then you get in season and you start doing rollovers and rolling through. So right. would your, your program be fairly similar with a team sport model, like more, more solid color weeks in the off season. But once you start getting competitive, it just starts going red, white, blue and so on and so forth. Yes. That's, that's, that's the way I usually do it. Um, but not always. Uh, I, I think these are all ways that you can do it. I have my favorites. I know other people have their favorites. But I still, I still like to check if it's working the way that I, I, I think it should work, um, and then I look on how I should make adjustments for there. Uh, sometimes I may, I may plan on going for a week, um, but I may stretch it into two weeks if the calendar blew up. With which dealing with student athletes, as you know a lot, sometimes that happens. Uh, other times I may purposely try to sneak a gold week in when I know they're going to have exams or some other stress because stress is stress and it adds up and I can't get them to work a whole lot on skill and things that are going to really tax them out when they're in exam week because they're so, they're so blown out with exams. Sometimes it affects uh, uh, what they're able to do on the track. Um, I definitely have seen this in working with schools like Cal, Harvard, and Virginia. Highly academic schools, these athletes are really drained from their efforts with their academics. And there's some other schools where if the if the academics aren't are not as challenging, they might be able to handle a training volume a little differently. That's something that I don't I don't know if everybody really looks at it that way. Um, but it's one thing that I try to keep in mind. And that might uh, influence my choice on which one I use, or either a red, white, blue in a week, or all red, all white, all blue. Um, I'm always looking for something to make the decision for me. Does it does it match up in the calendar better? Okay, then the calendar kind of made the decision for me. That's all we can really do. But when I have my druthers on it, and and I, and I can and I can and I can I can I can choose the one that I want um, for team sports when they compete on the weekends. I'm a big fan of red, white, red, white, and blue in a week. Uh, I just, I just, see, I, I see better, um, uh, better engagement from the athletes. Um, I, it seems to help minimize their stiffness and their soreness very well. Uh, and also, 
another important one to think about is how engaged they are in the process, what I can get out of them. Um, when they know that those white days, they, they, and, and a lot of times they, they like to pick up heavy weights. That, that, that's their favorite day. Um, when they walk in the weight room and, or they walk on the track and they see the red card, again, they know they're going to get their butt kicked. I think sometimes that's where athletes, again, would, uh, would survive the workout. Like, all right, let's just get this over with. But when they know their next workout is a white workout and they're going to be able to pick up some heavier loads, I think a lot of times I get more out of them. I get them to go after those red days and I get more, get more effort out of them because they know it's only going to be for these couple of days or X number of days. And then it's going to get better and they're going to get a better effect in their next zone because of it. Um, when they're engaged at that level, I think it really works well. Um, because then, you know, they're not cheating their, uh, cheating their rest, trying to sneak a little more rest in and then just doing something, uh, kind of middle of the road, which, you know, it's kind of how I look at the three sets of 10. Right, well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean three sets of 10 at 60%, you know, with not a lot of rest? Do you mean three sets of 10 at 75% where it's a maximal approach and you need a lot more rest? Or do you mean uh, cluster sets uh, of, of, you know, 10 ones with a medium load going as fast as you possibly can? That's a red, white, and blue, or I would argue a very, very different approach at doing three sets of 10. Three different energy systems for three different reasons with three different action speeds, three different rest intervals, and three completely different um, uh, uh, themes of, uh, uh, of, of, their, of their efforts, uh, what, they're, what, they're trying to, what they're trying to do, what they're targeting. Yeah. I, hey, you mentioned cluster training. Well, and, and before I ask you about that too, I, I with the gold, it makes me think a little bit about Christian Thibodeau's neural charge circuits, which he throws in there for the sake of recovery. Like kind of that same idea, like really fast stuff, not super heavy with a lot of rest, heart rate doesn't get up, lower volume, uh, diversity of movement. Uh, Love it. Yeah, it's kind of like right, it's right in there. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, so you mentioned clusters. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what, with with efforts like that, like some of the stuff that came out of Stone's research, any of this cool stuff, advanced stuff. Here's my question to, to you or to anybody else. And this, I, I think this will explain what I've tried to put together here in this modeling is where does it go? Where, do, where is its place? Because I have a difficult time answering the question, what's the best thing to do? Well, for who? And in which period, and for what sport, and which position in that sport, and in what time frame, with what you know, what uh, what limitations, and you know, there's some things that I think work very well uh, if you can do them. But I, I'm always big, begging the question, where do they go? Like, if if we can use that cool stuff, where and when does it fit in? Does it fit in the in season and off season? Is it practical to? Uh, to, to use if you have the equipment, um, I think when you can when you can build that stuff in, I think it's an edge. Um, yeah. Anytime you can minimize the damage and still keep everything firing, um, you know, I I think you have I think you're building an edge. 
if you're if you're blindly um, just you know following a schedule and not making adjustments to it and not doing it for reasons and hoping for the best, you're I think you're rolling the dice. Um, now that again the challenge is to is to get your athletes to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and get them to execute it. Um, but I, I the models like you just described, uh, I'm a kid in the candy store. I love them. Yeah. Hey, I, yeah. I, I, I see the effect. They're just they just they just work very well. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah. Hey, can you? Uh, so you talked about clusters, and this is something I think is uh, from looking at your training is a little bit unique about how you how you put things together and how you progress the red, white, blue, and gold over time. Or or start with it. Actually, that was part of the reason I wanted to ask you this. But talk to talk a little bit about cluster training. So within uh, within the strength, endurance, strength, maximal strength, and power. What are some your favorite cluster variations? How do you break it down? How do you tend to do the rest? Uh, and how might you progress? Do you progress from like a three sets of ten in the clusters? Uh, would you start out a year with clusters? Uh, tell me a little bit more about how that fits in the system. Um. Great question, actually. The the, um, the red zone, when we're trying to build more more endurance, more stability, uh, there's a lot more volume. Um, uh, and also, from a developmental standpoint, the athlete needs practice. They need reps. Um, I like, uh, I, I call it red cluster uh, with, with, um, with my groups, uh, where they bang out, uh, 25 reps, uh, five at a time, and they keep their um, uh, they keep their load very low, something between 30 to 50 percent, or, or or body weight or bands, um, just to get the volume. It gives me a chance to to look and see um, what type of endurance they have. In some cases, this is <laughs> this is this is this is enough to completely crush them, um, uh, and then. A more advanced, uh, a more advanced group, uh, we or or later down the road, we may do that with um, with load. Uh, I've done that one with load. That's more of an off-season approach, um, you know, because at times guys will come back and say, "Yeah, coach, I was uh, I was walking back to class after that morning workout, and I was walking up the stairs, and I just fell down and uh, just sat there because uh, my legs didn't work anymore." Like, yeah, I can't do that to a guy in season. So you know, that's that's more of a, a uh, I'm learning how to strength train. I'm learning how to how to do a lot of volume. Um, but if I'm working on uh, power endurance, also also in red zone, now I may do it in controlled intervals of 20 to 45 seconds, where they're just going to try to get as many reps as they can, and I'm going to really control their 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 time frame um, and make them stick to the the percentages. Um, so that they don't, don't go too much. A more extensive approach on that one would be, you know, uh, obviously like 45 seconds. Uh, more intensive might be uh, 20 seconds, but with a little bit higher than 50% load. Maybe maybe up to 65, 50 to 60% load. Um, you know, with the um, with the red zone clusters, I also use the clusters as a backup plan. So. Um, I write it in this way so that if a, if an athlete has some challenge in their schedule where they're underrested, they're dehydrated, they're stressed, um, and say 
it's it's on the card to do three sets of ten today. What this gives them the option to do is use their cluster their their clustered uh, rule. So in the red zone, I I control the 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 inner repetition rest interval at 10 seconds. In white zone, 20 seconds, and in blue zone, 30 seconds. And I just make that a standard. So that they know when we do cluster sets, that's that's the amount of time they take in between their, their reps. And that's me telling them. If it's three sets of 10 and they can't get 10, this gives them another option to try to get 10. So they may do seven and then three ones, as long as the pause between those ones was 10 seconds. And I tell them, you can still check the box, it still counts. Because you still pretty much got what we wanted out of them that day. It's just another way of doing it. Um, anything like wave clusters or or uh, downsets, um, uh, this is this is this is a little more uh, speed focus. So if it's if we've evolved from working on just a lot of reps and trying to hold the form together, now we want to go heavy light, heavy light, heavy light. Uh, to work on applying a little more speed with the challenge of endurance, that's where I would use uh, wave clusters in the in the red zone. Cool. Yeah, I, I like that with the the different way of framing that set of ten to allow it, as long as it's ten seconds, like and, and the twenty seconds of the blue and thirty seconds with or sorry, 10, twenty with white, thirty with blue. I I think that's a really cool way of putting that for athletes. It's just it it offers up a little more. There's almost more uh, diversity within a possible set rather than strength is under five and and, and endurance is under twelve. Like there's more, uh, there's more variability in the system, more challenge. I think there's just more. Uh, it, it becomes a little more open and free flowing to the athlete. I, I like how you set that up. That is that is what I've that is really what I've tried to do with this model. Uh, when I've <clears throat> taken a step back and thought, all right, what am I what am I doing here? What are, what, are, what are most people trying to do? What am I trying to do? Um, first off, I'm trying to get it done. I'm trying to find a practical way of getting it done. And I don't know if there's one perfect way to get it done that, that's a cookie-cutter approach that's going to work for everybody. And so when I got you know, 45 athletes, and they're all at different levels, um, some of them are going to be developing. Some of them are going to be refining, and some of them, some of them are going to be maintaining. And... The guys that are the guys that are pushing, you know, uh, four or five hundred pounds in the squat rack. Um, that's a little different than a guy that's the guy that's moving one thirty-five, and he may need the full extent of his rest intervals. And so I got to I got to build in some rules. You know, I, I I even ask them with with guys to, when guys come back to me from colleges and they say, well, they told me to do three sets of ten. I said, all right, and what percentage? You're like, uh. Um, yeah, you know, they, they give me a high percentage. So, all right, so what do you do? Do you follow that rest interval exactly the way they say to do it? Or do you walk out in the hall and take a couple minutes and get lost and come back when you're ready? And they kind of smile and they look around. They're like, uh, I kind of go out into the hall and wait till I'm ready when I come back if I got to move something really, really heavy. I'm like, right, so can you get out of the two-minute two minute rest mind frame? That doesn't apply to everything. I'm saying sometimes in our workouts, we may only squat. That might be all that we do for 45 minutes because they need a full rest in between moving uh, 90% of their max. I might do some uh, some stability stuff with their upper body in between, but 
if all they were able to do to to get uh, white zone executed was, you know, uh, twelve sets of two at ninety percent, um, then so be it. <laughs> what else do you really need to do at that point? Because they're they're not gonna they're not gonna walk well the rest of the day <laughs> in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Um, but they, um, you know, they're 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 getting it. They're getting a solid training effect with that. I think sometimes, um, and I've tried to build this rule in too with primary lifts and secondary lifts. I, I focus on the primary lifts and I keep the secondary lifts as a as a bonus. Uh, I want the athletes to get through the primary lifts, the ones where they're um, they're it's ground based. They're on their legs. Uh, involving the core and the moves are explosive in nature. Eventually, in the in the in the programming, the secondary moves they're they're built in, but sometimes we won't always get to them. Um, I, I very infrequently uh, build in the cluster rules with the supplemental exercises. I uh, I, I kind of maintain them with the primaries. Um, the white zone clusters. Um, do you want me to go to the white zone clusters? Oh yeah, yeah, white, white, and then blue. Uh, did probably briefly within like five minutes if you could, because okay. that's probably about my time frame. The white, the white zone clusters. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously much, much lower, much lower reps. Um, and this is where I'll, I'll start getting into a little bit more strength power. Uh, so I may start using um, a ballistic component within thirty seconds of the last rep. Um, uh, mainly, if I'm not if I'm not looking for a true max or I'm trying to go for a, a super maximal uh, effort, um, a guy moving something he's never moved before, uh, it, may, it might not go well. He might not, um, he might not have a good feel for handling that weight uh, the first couple of times. So to build in the pause in between, I think gives them more opportunity to get good at the skill of moving that heavier load, and then that evolves into uh, being able to move it continuously. I think they all fit in. If I'm trying to either minimize damage or use it as a as a teaching tool, um, or just give them another option that's a change up that their that their body may respond to. Um, the other the other real reason for clusters is so that they're rested. It's for action speed. Um, if if I'm using a cluster in the red zone, it's really so that they can hang on and keep on going. But now in the in the white zone and the blue zone, it's really so that they can be rested, so they can produce force, and they can be explosive. Muscles can't ex can't contract explosively unless they're rested. So anytime I'm working on a little more brisk uh, movement or explosive movement, that's usually when I'm using some type of uh, cluster cluster set. I use a cluster rule again as a backup, but the cluster sets are primarily primarily when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm focusing on speed or rate of force development. Awesome. What does a what does a cluster set look like? Like a sample in the blue zone, that power zone, because I think a lot of people are really interested. You know, power and how does clusters fit into that? What might be a couple sample brackets? So sample bracket for um, I'll, I'll explain a, a white and blue. White for for strength power, maybe uh, five sets of five at eighty five at eighty to eighty five percent. Uh, with um, with three ballistic movements, say like a, a squat and then a jump squat. Um, so five um, uh, five reps in the squat rack, 
and then walk over to the other rack and do five jump squats with a with a, say a bar, uh, something something ballistic. Uh, uh, blue would be a reduction in um, a reduction in the load um, down to three reps, um, uh, but still keeping the ballistic component. Um, so uh, again, because I'm working on rate of force development, I'm looking for um, faster movement uh, in the squat rack or in or, or in the in the exercise in question. Uh, and then sometimes couple it with with, with, with ballistic movements. Um, another one I like for blue zone is just speed reps. Um, uh, five rounds of five rounds of two or uh, uh, four rounds of three, uh, just moving the bar as fast as they can. Taking a taking a brief rest, move it as fast as they can. Take a brief rest uh, and, until they get up to uh, ten or ten or twelve reps. Um, it's amazing to see at times some athletes that just uh, that that speed component just does not compute for them. Um, they, they 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 don't know how to do it. They don't know how to produce force fast in some cases, so they need practice doing it. So I like the I like the the, the lighter loads first, um, and then after. I like I really like the potentiation models um, and coupling. Moving a heavy load, but anytime I'm moving a heavy load and I'm really focusing on speed, uh, I'll often put in derivatives. I'll, I'll, I'll often use uh, quarter squats or partial movements so that I can move the heavier load so that it doesn't get too high skill. Um, and we can mainly focus on speed. Um, so move the heavy load, get to moving fast, move the heavy load, get to moving fast. Um, my athletes seem to have the most fun in this um, in this zone in the blue zone. Like they just they just really enjoy it. They they're they're, they're outward when they see the blue cards. They're like, yes, we get to do quarter <laughs> squats. You know, because they they like the um, they like the way they feel when they walk out. They're not broken. They're not broken down. Um, the other thing that I that, that I'll try to do that I, I didn't mention earlier within these zones and within the warm up is I'll ask my athletes often to ten scale their RPE, uh, and, and a couple other things. I'll ask them, uh, hey, what's your, what's your level of control? Uh, meaning I'll sometimes have them just do a simple Trendelenburg test and stand on one leg and ask them, you know, how well can you balance? How well is your control of your body right now? And 10 scale it. And then prove it to them um, that once they're warmed up and they have high level of control, um, that it's, you know, it's higher than seven. A lot of times in these blue zones, I'll ask them, "Hey, what's your what's your level of control?" And I'll a lot of times get nine or ten, and then they start to understand. Wow, okay, when when we do these contrast sets, I really feel charged up. I really feel this. Uh, I really feel more electrical. I really feel like I have a lot more power. They start to understand it. They start to get their mind around it. So now, I can take that and put it into their warm ups and get them to understand. Hey, guys, look. You want to be a seven before you pick up the ball, before you start going through full speed reps, at least, you know, hopefully higher than that. But, you know, this feeling, this juiced up feeling that you have, this is the way you want to feel before you go compete. And these are all methods to try to get you to that. Um, so a another one that I really like that would be, that, that would, that would fit in here for ballistic. Um, if I, if it's possible for me to do this is, you can use something like a quarter squat 
uh, again, in white zone, maybe 80, 85%, in blue zone, 70 to 75. And then for their ballistic movement, have them go out in the hallway, get in a base stealing stance and blast out and use their push steps or their acceleration steps as their ballistic movement uh, and get a chance to, to feel uh, running as fast as they can with that juiced up effect. I think that works in the weight room and in the track. Uh, I don't try to make a decision on which I think is the best. I'm usually going with whichever one I can fit into the calendar um, and what's what's practical to do. Yeah. Um, that's that, that's kind of how I use that stuff. That's great. Uh, yeah, so just got less than a minute left, but I just wanted to clarify in that blue zone. You, so you'd be doing uh, quarter squats heavy and then ballistic, like something ballistic, as a, compared to everything light and fast that day? Um, in, in the blue zone? Yeah, would that would that fit in the blue zone or I was I was a little confused there. I would fit I would fit I would fit that that's more of a white zone approach. Uh, if, okay, I use, okay. if I use it in the blue zone, it would be with a with a rep reduction and probably a percentage reduction too. Okay, okay. Just trying to get I, clarification. Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well hey, that's all the time I got for the show today, Walt, but thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you explaining your system. Uh so much cool stuff to chew on and uh really great talking today. Thank you very much. Joe, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for thanks for the time. That does it for another episode of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Appreciate your listenership. Appreciate you being a part of this podcast, this series. I can't believe we have ten episodes to go till the magic number one hundred. It's just such a cool thing. So thank you for those of you who have listened, who have left reviews, um, who have just been a part of this. I really appreciate it. In terms of the podcast, our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. Visit the website. Check them out, their blog, their store. If you're looking for anything in the sports performance world that's on the high-tech end, measurement, monitoring, even things like muscle stimulation, any piece of technology that's worth getting, you're going to find it there. So check them out. We'll see you guys next week with another great episode.